Hello, my name is Sarah Connolly and today I'm really excited to be talking to, to Kathleen Marcel, the first ever ju women's junior road world champion, the first ever woman to win the junior world championships and the elite world championships, our record holder, um, amazing career in cycling and current amazing career as the Danish national coach, which is very, very important at the moment. Um, Kathleen, how are you? How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm very good. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Um, it's it's a little bit exciting for Danish cycling right now, isn't it? Uh, we are we are on a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> uh, things are going very well since the beginning of season. We touch wood uh, that nothing uh, bad can happen. But uh, the, the girls are improving so well, and uh, every race is a new adventure. And uh, I'm looking every weekend forward uh, to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, it's been and for people who don't know. Um, Obviously, Amelie Didrikson won the World Championships on the road in Qatar last year. And then yes. we've had this incredible week uh, in the Setmana Classica Ciclista Valenciana. Um, Cecilie Utrup Ludwig won with Marie Villeman on the podium, uh, GC podium, while Amelie Didrikson <laughs> won the Ronde van Drenthe World Tour. And then this week, um, Utrup Ludwig, Ludwig was um, third in the Trofeo Alfred Binder. <laughs> Yeah, and I like I said, I can't wait next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you expect that the Danes would do so well this year? I mean, I was expecting Amelia to, and I was hoping at least that Amelia could have a green card and you know express herself and uh, show her rainbow jersey. Uh, Amelie is not world champion by random. She no. she really, uh, she's a rider that has been working so hard and you know get results. Uh, maybe not always you know seen by. By, uh, by the media, but uh, she has been doing her progression and the world championship title is something that, you know, she had in the, in the corner of her mind, uh, her and her coach. So um, it was very important for her to win uh, a world to race with that jersey and sort of confirm in front of the world that, you know, she is a world champion. Yeah, and she won Drenta in such beautiful style for people who don't know Bols Dolmans her team were wonderful all the way through but Didrikson got into a break with some really clever riders and just trusted herself she has such an instinct for racing that is unbelievable for her age I mean she she, she knows how to to handle a such situation like this very tricky and uh, she has a, a very uh, strong capacity to handle the the pressure and uh, what we expect from her that's very good and uh, that can just give her so much, so much strength for, for the future. Yeah, and of course, Cecilie Utrup Ludwig, she's a revelation this year. I mean, she's a revelation this year, for sure. She has stepped up so much by moving to Bigla. There is so much in her that still needs to be discovered. But if you remember last year, she won uh, she won the Tour Feminine in uh, in Czechy, and uh, mm. she has done such great race in Gracia. She has sort of you know showed that you know you could trust her and you could give her some responsibility. And I'm very glad that in Bigla she got this card uh, to play, and they 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 support her fully uh, to sort of explore her skills. Uh, and I think uh, Cecilia will go very far. I mean, uh, if it's always a, a matter of, you know, disease or injuries or stuff, but if everything goes well, and we hope so, I mean, she has a long and very beautiful uh, year in front of her. Yeah. What's what's interesting when I look at both Diedrichsen and, and, and Ustra Ludwig is 
is how they had a very different path last year to development because as you say um Didrikson did amazing work for the past her past two years as an elite yes yeah learning as domestique in bold dolmens and then having opportunities to race for herself in the biggest race but riding for bowls is you know one of the is the biggest team in the world yes. well cecilia she did the more classic development race those, those races like gracia all over the tour de feminine the, they're very they are for development riders, aren't they? Yeah, they are development riders. They are from the same generation, so both the same age, and they, they follow each other from, from young age in Denmark. Cecilia decided to sort of focus on her studies in, uh, in 2015. So she sort of, uh, you know, paused a little bit on races uh, in the beginning of 2015 to finish her studies and to be free after that, mm-hmm. while Amelia ch- chose to, to do a a parallel with her studies and increase, uh, like make uh, her studies in one year extra for for getting more more time uh, to to finish her studies. Uh, so it's different way of uh, approaching your studies, uh, but, uh, and and that's where her their paths sort of split a little bit. But now they are sort of recrossing inside of of uh, the world tour and. Uh, and have the, the their career developing in the in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, you have other riders. I'm um, Marie Villman coming third overall in Valenciana, and you've got Julia Lett racing for Wiggle High Five. It feels like the Danish team has got a lot of. Suddenly, you're a world power. It's feeling like. <laughs> I mean, we when we look at it, we have. A, a, if everything goes well, we can have a. a, a Incredible team for for world championship this year. I mean, Julie Lett is such a, a an important part of the national team. She has such an experience in how you know being the road captain and taking decision on the road and for the mood of the team. She she's such a, a very important part of of the victory. For example, of of Amelie last year, the road captain. I mean, the responsibility that I gave her in in Doha. Is, uh, she took it with a true hand and grabbed it, and uh, she's very. Uh, she has played a very, very important role in uh, in the victory of uh, of Amelia. She has such an experience. She sees things, and uh, she's very talented and very powerful as as a teammate. Uh, we have also Christina Sigo. We have Camilla Molobro from Velo Concept. We have a lot of talent pushing and growing now with Emma Norsko, that is only junior two and is elite Danish champion. So I mean, we have. We have a, a great future in front of us in, in Denmark. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about Qatar? Because Amelia was a unexpected winner in a race that a lot of people, including me, had thought Kirsten Wild was definitely going to win. Yeah, but you know, by experience, from my own experience, uh, the World Championship in the Europe Olympics is always sort of you know, you played your card a little bit different. I mean, it has been a very long season between uh, Olympic, European Championship, the World Championship. It's it's long. It's a lot of uh, objective. And the one we can, you know, being the fresher and we can hold the, the responsibilities the best, can sort of play play your card that, that year. And I always saw like a surprise winner-ish uh, in, uh, in this World Championship in the same year of Olympics. Even though, you know, Amelia was hoping for a top 10, I, we knew so, sort of inside of in our heart that she could do a podium. For sure, the victory is a, is a, is a huge thing. And uh, to beat Kristen Wild was not something we sort of 
if you're on the wheel of Kristen, you, you're going to win. But she made it. She made it and uh, because she grabbed a chance and that was the year where she had to do it and uh, it was majestic. Yeah, I mean, I said that all the Scandinavians would suffer because, you know, Scandinavians riding in a desert, it doesn't seem like it would make sense. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you, you have to remember that Danish are Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> So they know how to cope with things, and uh, you know, we we just put uh, the discomfort on the side, and then uh, we go for it. So, what advice did you give Amelia before and the team before they started racing? Because the other thing is, they only had three riders, didn't they, in the race, whereas the Dutch had nine. Yeah, <laughs> we were a little bit in the in the under number. But uh, what I said to them is to to race, you know, clever, wait at the maximum, be in the move if something goes away. And I talked to Amelie uh, two days before the race, you know, uh, just uh, face to face. And I said, race with your instincts. She knows how to race. She knows how to do those things. She just need to let it be with the expectation of people, you know, and grab her instinct and race with pleasure and have fun uh, without thinking about the results. Uh, I was afraid that, you know, maybe too much expectation was coming from the outside world and, you know, we were expecting, you know, a little bit too much and it didn't happen. So we let her sort of develop on her own, you know, uh, sensation and her own instinct and it, it worked out very well. Amelia is kind of following your path. You were, you were the first ever junior road world champion. And then just two years later, you were the elite world champion. Yeah. Were you able to give her advice based on that? The advice I gave her was after the race. Being world champion, like, sort of put on you a, a media wave uh, that is very, could be difficult to handle when you're in, in a young age. And But she, she masterized this very well. And the, the, the months after world has been very difficult for her because, of course, of solicitation and media and and everyone's, everyone wants a piece of you. And uh, But she's been very, very good. She's very well surrounded in the family. And her parents are fully engaged behind her. And that helps a lot. Yeah. And I guess now that she's won Drenta, she can relax, can't she? Because she's got a big win in her rainbow jersey. I'm, I mean, she can, uh, she can enjoy her jersey uh, and take everything she can grab when she has the opportunity. And yeah, I mean, she has definitely proven uh, to the, to everyone. And I was not in doubt. But the, that, uh, you know, that jersey is on her shoulder for a year. And uh, she can uh, just uh, show it as much as she can. <laughs> wow. So you, when you were junior world champion, can you tell us a little bit like that? Because you went to the Olympics at 17 years old, didn't you? I went to the Olympics at 17 years old. I remember that. Uh, it was in Seoul. I had to have a, an authorization from the UCI. I was under 18. <laughs> uh, but that was very young. If I look back my career, you know, I mean, whew, I remember being like so impressed by Olympics um, uh, at this age. Uh, then I got uh, Barcelona, Atlanta and, and uh, Sydney. Yeah, I mean, every time you go to Olympics, you learn something new. You know how to approach the race. You, you there's a, such a, a different atmosphere in in Olympics and in a, in in a world championship. So it's very important to 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 bring your talent, you know, and let them experience what is OL Olympics and what is uh, what what they should expect for the next time. Yeah, you said, when you became junior world champion, I'm really excited about that because there hadn't been that opportunity to be young women before. What, what did it mean to you getting those first rainbow jerseys? 
oh, I, I was I remember being in this wheel of this Russian girl in the, in, in Bergamo and thinking, oh, it's so cool, I'm going to be all silver. You know, I was not <laughs> thinking I would win. And then uh, we arrived at the sprint and then I sprint her out and I was world champion. I remember being like such a surprise. It was like, oh my God. Um, but uh, but then everything went so fast, you know, everything uh, been overclassed the year after that. Let me think. No, I have been world champion uh, on the track the year after that in Odense, uh, actually in Denmark for the on the track. And the year after that, uh, the same year I've done the world championship elite as junior two in Chambéry. Mm-hmm. So I was junior two and I've been put on the elite world championship and I've done second behind Janine Longo. And the year after that, I'm elite world champion for my first year elite. Wow. That must be incredible. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, I remember that at the time, you know, between me and Longo was, didn't race together. I mean, Janine Longo was part of the national team, but she did her own race. And the other part of the team was sort of racing on my side. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Uh, it was a time when Jani was a, a, a lonelier. I mean, she was uh, she was doing her own thing in the national team, but uh, she was so strong. I mean, she was unbeatable in in Chambéry. So being second uh, behind her was unbelievable as junior two. Uh, and I was on the podium between Jani Longo and uh, and Maya Canins. Wow! <laughs> so wow. I was the little, the little baby. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I always get the impression, and, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong, that it was Jeannie Longo was as much racing against the other French riders as she was against her opponents. I mean, that has been always Jeannie Longo's story. I mean, when we were racing in national team, and very rarely she was uh, really engaging with the national team. I mean, the, that's uh, that's that was Jeannie Longo. We we knew her, and we knew how that she she had her way to work. She was working alone uh, on the side, and. Uh, that was a deal, sort of. We never managed to find a, a way in national team where we work on the on the same um, same line. Wow, I guess a rider couldn't be like that these days. Ah, uh, that would not work. I mean, that wouldn't work. She'd lose her team. I mean, she'd have to either have a team that was only built around her. For sure, for sure. And then uh, she will. I think she will have all the peloton against her. I mean, it, 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 I, I don't think now it, it will it will work this way. Um, yeah, to a degree. Yeah, and, and that's a good thing because. I, I look at Jeannie Longo's achievements, and of course she has amazing achievements, but she doesn't seem like a positive force for French cycling in general. I mean, that would have been very difficult work as a national coach to handle a team where you know, you know, I mean, there is one on the side and the rest of the team on the other. Um, so it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did those experiences help in, in your role after your own racing career? Or if it helped me, no. I mean, what helped me now, it's more my rider's uh, experience and not what I've seen as people coaching me as national coach. Uh, I get really a a lot of inspiration of what I felt when I was a rider and I know how to transmit that to to my riders. And, you know, I know what they go through and what kind of doubts they can have in the evening and what kind of word they want to hear. Yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's more where my my work is. I, I'm working a lot on on an individual basis. I'm talking a lot to the riders individually, uh, and that is very important in women cycling that you give them time to be listened and to talk to pep them, talk to them, and yeah, there's a lot of of coaching to do. Yeah, it seems interesting looking at the problems British cycling is having that they absolutely didn't treat women 
as individuals and they didn't treat them as as that didn't treat their feelings as important i mean from the outside do you have a view on that I mean that's uh, I mean uh, th there's another problem here. Eh? I mean there's uh, it seems that these British uh, things went a little bit above uh, what is legal, mm. uh, but for sure I, I don't know how men works. But from my own experience, you have to have a lot of uh, listening time and talks uh, with women. Uh, there's a lot of things that are unsaid and works and women and women and men doesn't work the same way i mean that's the way it is i mean no we just work different way i mean there's different emotion i mean a, a guy will handle uh, a race or emotions a different way than a than a woman i mean a, a guy when he's pissed he's he's gonna express it on the bike or he's gonna go for a beer with whoever and you know it's gonna be over uh, when a woman he can seek in and you know you need sort of to speak it out and uh, not let things wait too long uh, in order for things to not grow up uh, so I mean it's important to to talk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got so many questions for you I mean, let's talk about your career you won the Giro you won the Tour de Lode, another women's Grand Tour twice you set the hour record in 1995 uh, yes. which, are the, which are the ones that you look back and think, yeah, that I'm proud of. The world hour record. Um, that was a moment in my career where I was sort of struggling. You know, I've been world champion at 90 years old. It was very demanding on the on the media side for me. Uh, I was not equipped to handle this. I come from a family of eight kids. Wow. My parents are farmers, you know, and they didn't have time to sort of understand what it is, this game of media and stuff I was just world champion I wanted to go home in my farm and just you know train for the next season and yeah I didn't understood too much the you have to now you know give some time to the media uh, so it has been very difficult and mentally I was you know not in a very stable development in my in my end of teenagerhood and I collapsed, really collapsed under the pressure of the World Championship uh, jersey. And I remember being so happy to lose it almost in Stuttgart in, in 91. I was feeling like now this jersey is not on my shoulder anymore. And it's kind of sad to look back because in 98, when I'm getting so close to become World Champion in uh, Benidorm, mm. um, I, I would have wished to be able to become World Champion you know, a little bit with more maturity and to enjoy it a little bit better. But I had after ninety, I had few seasons up and down, up and down, up and down. And ninety five is a new burst for me in my career. I mean, people put that in my head that I could beat the world hour record, and I was like, "Are you kidding or what?" But then we went for it. We went for it with Korima as a sponsor. Uh, we saw my uh, region as a as a, the main sponsor, like uh, Moselle. And then uh, it was a, a record of Jenny Longo that no one tried to beat for six years. And it was just a monument that I was attacking myself from. And uh, with the, the period I, I went through, not many people believed that I could beat it. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and myself first, you know, until when it happened, you like, you, you really have a hard time to believe it can happen. But uh, we, we, we did it, and that has been a, a very uh, stepstone in my career. Wow. Wow. I've got so many more questions. When you see Pauline Fran Prevost, for example, and how much she suffered, 
did you look at her last year and and recognize some of that in yourself i'm totally uh totally uh, understood what you went through feel for her uh, and wanted to help desperately but uh, you know an, an athlete has to go through his own path uh, and I think she will learn by uh, by by herself, and she will uh, she will develop as an even stronger person. I have no doubt about it. An athlete, uh, when when uh, when she will uh, she will step up to victory again. Uh, she already did it uh, last two weekends anyway uh, with a mountain bike win. She sort of has to go through this to to understand. Uh, and to become uh, stronger and to sort of move up to a new phase in her career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you can give that kind of advice to Amelie, to, but I guess it's living through it. <laughs> but <laughs> living through how you handle the media attention, how you handle everything else, that you can give as much advice in the world, but you just have to do it, don't you? Yeah, you have to do it, uh, and you can you can always you know help someone that asks for help. Anyway, uh, you can give the advice. I mean, in the case of Pauline, I mean, I imagine that billions of people must have reached out and say to her different type of advice, and you know, uh, you should do this and you should do that. And at some point, you know, she has to unplug and go through her own experience and you know build herself back from this Olympics experience. Yeah. Uh, and she did it she did it very well I think she has good people around her to, to help her out uh, and I, I have no doubt that she will come back uh, to, to the highest level where she was so obviously you're the Danish national team coach because you live in Denmark but would you ever like to be the French national team and have their women's team under your control no 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 I, I think uh, that will first of all require that I move back to France and that's n not in a close plan at all you know, I mean, uh, I'm very well established in Denmark, and uh, I'm, it's not that I have a, a dream to become uh, one day uh, the national coach of France, but uh, never say never. I mean, in 10 years, if I'm back to, to France, uh, that could be, uh, of course, something I could consider, but uh, the time is, uh, is, is in Denmark right now. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's difficult because there doesn't seem to be the same development pathways for French women. I mean, of course, Audrey cordon Rago, Pauline Fran-Prevot are very, very strong. And some of the juniors like Juliette Labou in her first year as an elite. But they just don't seem to have the same development opportunities. I mean, they have uh, uh, way, way more riders uh, in the development uh, phase than we do. Uh, right. So their, their work is way more complex. We are in a phase where we come from zero as well. Uh, we come from no structure, uh, and we didn't hear about Danish women cycling almost at all. So, of course, when we do results like we do now, I mean, it's showing off uh, big time. Uh, but I think uh, French uh, French cycling has great, great capacity, great talent, great result. if you look at all what they have. And the, the junior capacity they have right now is un unbelievable like they could bring like two teams in every race uh, team a and team b so let's give them a little bit more time and uh, i believe that uh, french uh, cycling uh, will be one of the top uh, in the world again oh exciting um after your career you became involved in the organizational side of cycling how did that happen because there weren't that many opportunities for women I was at uh, Rotterdam World Cup, still as a rider, 
And after the race, I remember Meredith Miller from America and uh, Rachel Gilmore, that was still a rider as well mm-hmm. at Team Sachs, coming to see me and said, hey, Kat, we want to talk to you. Sport director of Team Sachs next year. And I was like, hello, I need to quit cycling then. <laughs> <laughs> So they pushed me uh, off the bike <laughs> in one uh, discussion of a coffee. And then I started to do my uh, my education in cycling activity, which is a diploma you have to have in France to be sport director. And that's a, a two months uh, education in winter. And then I became sport director of Team Sats in, uh, in Copenhagen, based in Copenhagen the year after that. And that's where I started uh, straight from a cyclist to a sport director. And push to manage uh, sponsorship and uh, find sponsors and uh, deal on the other side of the of the team and uh, it was a great experience. So that's how it happened. Wow! <laughs> you, yeah, riders riders basically told you you're not riding anymore. You're looking up. Yes. <laughs> and how did how did the Danish job come come around? And you said it was built from from scratch. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And then after after Team Sats, uh, I've been a director sport number two in a, uh, in an Italian team in my past uh, Italian team uh, Nobili Rubinetteri. And then after that, I started studying actually here in, in Denmark. I did a bachelor degrees in nutrition and health, with uh, you know everything uh, lifestyle related disease like diabetes and uh, high blood pressure and all these kind of disease you can have from lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I sort of had the need to sort of step back away from cycling after those two years as sport director. It was too demanding for me to have been a, an athlete, being on the road all the time, and then being sport director, I was even more on the road, more in driving mode. Uh, so I sort of, whew, I need to settle back, do some study, and sort of forget a little bit of cycling for a few years. So I did that. I did a bachelor degree in three years and a half. I did work in a... Yeah, in, in Maersk, in, uh, in the big oil company, I was center leader of the fitness centers inside of the company for a fitness center um, focusing on the employees' health. Uh, and after that, you know, five years I worked in Maersk and the, I've heard that the national team in uh, the Danish Cycling Union didn't had any plan uh, for women cycling. So I thought in the, in the back of my mind, I think I'm ready sort of to propose them something. So I, saw, I was so close to get in contact with them when I heard from a press release that they are actually looking for a woman, a woman coach. So I was like, here we go. <laughs> That's the perfect timing. They, they just heard my thought. Uh, so I made an application and uh, I, I went through the, 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 the interviews and uh, I got the job. So it was, uh, it was just a perfect timing to come back uh, in cycling and, uh, re-engage myself in uh, in what I know the best. Wow. And so what have you done in that job so far? What has been the I mean, key work? The, what they asked me is to recreate the national team and recreate an elite culture, sort of to recreate what is is a national team and, you know, the what what it means to have a national team jersey on your shoulder. Of course, there is a big development uh, work that I need to do under, underneath, uh, creating more license and creating uh, more density inside of the Danish peloton. Uh, there is still not enough girls, you know, on the start line of a Danish championship. Mm. But but what was my first objective was to recreate the national team, uh, and I think we did brilliantly in that. Obviously, <laughs> in, three, in three years we create more than a, 
a national team, we, we got we became world champions. So I mean, we can't wish for a better start uh, in the process. Now we have the elite as an icon. All the elites are more or less placed in a UCI team and sort of create their own UCI points for the Danish nation, which are very important when it comes to VM uh, World Championship quota and uh, Olympic quota. Mm. But they are sort of rolling on their own. So now I have more time to focus on the youth, on the on the young age, very young age, U16 and uh, juniors, and to sort of help them to move up to the to the junior category and elite category. Yeah, when we're gonna get closer to the Olympics, I will re-engage uh, the elite in a program to sort of go through the qualification of uh, of uh, Olympics, and uh, and we will be in Tokyo. Yeah, and it looks like a flat, sprinty course. It's a very, very, very good course for us. <laughs> I think I first noticed the young Danish team coming up with Panila Mattison in the Energiewoche, Junior Energiewoche Tour the other year. And of course, yeah. you've been taking Danish teams and Scandinavian teams to races, and you're yeah. going to be taking them to the Junior Energiewoche Tour. Is that part of it? Like giving them, that must be very strange, giving young women this these opportunities to actually get to these races i mean for sure i mean for them it's a it's a huge thing when you take them to energive act which is now healthy aging tour uh it's a it's a big event for them uh and it's it's a first step to learn you know how to move up to world championship and all those kind of bigger events and uh, it's always very interesting to work with young age because there's so much to learn and they're listening and there's they're like sponges they, they they listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, uh, Georgia Bronzini said that she wants to go into working with in, you know with riders afterwards, but she said she's a bit worried. She she doesn't want to work with juniors because what if she gives them the wrong advice and ruins their career forever? <laughs> no, she will be the best coach ever for the juniors. So it's true that there is a little bit of sensitivity to to have. I mean, you don't push them as an elite. You know, you can't be as sort of as straightforward you have to be a little bit more sensitive uh, they are still young and you know they they're still uh, on the on the learning phase and I, I sometimes you know control you know the way I approach them uh, but uh, after that the advice you can give them are the same plan for the elite you know she can be so much of an inspirational coach did I look at, for example, the Italians, where they have this huge range of junior riders, but you talk to like, riders like Elisa Longo-Borghini, um, Elena Cicchini, and they say that that you have to leave Italian squads because they say that the Italians are great at getting the riders to junior level, but then it's terrible making the next steps. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they have. A, you look at uh, Binda, yesterday there, there were plenty of Italian team uh, juniors. Uh, so they have uh, this huge reservoir of riders and juniors, and after that, they, there's not much opportunity for them to develop in, in Italy. Uh, but they are such good riders that there is room in in, in international uh, team for them. Um, I guess so. I don't know. Yeah. So cycling has obviously changed <laughs> since you were racing your bike race career i was looking down your list of palmares and seeing you know the tour of texas the tour de load all these races that don't exist anymore how would you say it's most changed 
you know, I mean, I have had time to see that there's such a, I mean, the technology for sure has changed like tremendously. I mean, when I look at the bikes now, I'm like, <laughs> we were racing on the, you know, on, you know, bikes with a changing gear still at the frame. <laughs> uh, so, um, I've been through, you know, the first automatic pedals, you know, that's, uh, you know, when you think about uh, what kind of change of technology, I mean, a kid now is moving, jumping on the Colnago at the age of 12. And then we we went through the first loop pedal <laughs> <laughs> and the change at the handlebar, you know, the shit, the shit. but uh, so that's where the, the material has changed so much. Uh, there's no doubt. Uh, after you know, I mean, the the, the structure is way more, much professional. At my young age, I was racing a lot, a lot, exclusively actually with the national team. The program I was racing in was the national team program. Mm -hmm. So professional team didn't exist, uh, and it was more you know less structured, way less structured than what we have as professional team now. So that's where the the, the massive uh, change is. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting too the the team tactics and having a, a team like Boris Dolmans for example with yeah. so many top riders last year like yeah and you have professional team I mean uh, in 1990 I mean I was racing you know by myself as soon as it was a climb I was going away and you know th there were no you know team engaging and organizing behind it was one-to-one -one, uh, fight uh, inside the peloton yeah okay. uh, more than, you know, teams uh, racing uh, against each other. So where do you think women's cycling is going? I mean, I hope that uh, women's cycling is going uh, with more live coverage. That would be interesting to have the World Tour live covered. Um, but, uh, I mean, we, we slowly, it seems like, going towards this path. Mm. Uh, there is more media coverage and... Uh, I mean, of course, we can dream about the world where a world where uh, men cycling and uh, women cycling on an equal level. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but uh, for for market marketing reason maybe. But uh, at least we can have if we can have our live our own live coverage uh, at every race, that will be a major step. Yeah, and it's it's been fantastic as a fan, just seeing the increase in in racing. You know, three weeks, three live world tour races it's not going to carry on like that throughout the season but it's been pretty damn good yeah basically I, every weekend i can follow the race so uh, i mean it's uh, it's not a high quality it's not uh, live on the national channel but it's 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 live and you can be in the race and follow it live mm -hmm. so uh, it's a first step and uh, we hope that it's going to engage sponsors to to want more and uh, more interest in, in women's cycling and uh, let's keep pushing looking ahead for the danish national team in five years time where would you like to be in five years time i would like to have uh let's hope a medal at olympics yeah uh, and then to have the maximum spot available on olympics as well i mean we can dream about three spots at ol next in uh, 2020 uh according to the nation ranking that's going to be a tough fight, uh, but I think we have the capacity to do it. And then uh, having a, a density of riders a little bit more in, in, uh, important, uh, having more like a good 60 riders, 70 riders on the Danish national team uh, race, that will be uh, a goal I would like to reach. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, 
being still in the top uh, top 10 nation at the national ranking that would be fantastic <laughs> and personally what, what what are your goals for the future I mean, my goal for the future will have to will be to to keep uh, engaging myself in this job. I mean, I love it. I think it's my dream job. It's uh, where I I can express myself the best. Uh, now I'm still on part time, so I hope I could become full time and work more like in, in the underneath and across discipline between road, cross, mountain bike, and track, and uh, sort of uh, uh, work more on a, on on a bigger picture. Wow. So if people want to follow you, Catherine, where do you live online so they can follow your adventures? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter on Catherine Marsal uh, and they can, can follow me as well on Facebook. I mean, I never refuse anyone, so uh, <laughs> they are more than welcome to follow me. Excellent. And if you could give advice, if there's somewhere out there a 15-year-old girl who wants to be the next Catherine Marsal, what advice would you give her? I will tell her to have fun to observe and to suck up everything as she can, you know, observe uh, from the elite, uh, to be patient and uh, to never give up. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. And um, I'm going to look forward to watching you watching all the Danes throughout the season because it's been we, a lot of fun. We try to keep up the good work. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. You're welcome.